0: Paul tells us we've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. We'll take a look at Paul's version of that in 2 Corinthians next on Abounding Grace. Join us. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Greetings in Christ, and welcome to our program today. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, looking at the first 10 verses. It's here the Apostle Paul lays out for us the matchless grace of God in Christ, the all-sufficient grace of Christ. And that's what we're focusing on, this all-sufficient grace, a grace that is full and complete. A lot of encouragement wrapped up in this short statement here in verse 9. Join us for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace Now. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner.
1: By God's grace, we looked at these verses last week, and we saw something of the supernatural experience that Paul had when he was raptured right into the presence of God. I also told you about the nature and purpose of Paul's thorn in the flesh. And today, we're going to focus on verse 9. Because that verse is the focus of the entire chapter. The emphasis of the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians is the all-sufficient grace of Jesus Christ. Beloved, I don't believe there is any other verse in Scripture that is used more in counseling people who are under pressure, depression, feelings of discouragement and inadequacy. In fact, I don't believe there is any verse that I have gone to more frequently for my own needs than verse 9 of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. For this is where Paul begs God to heal him, and God reveals something to Paul better than physical healing. Now, we must remember the context in which this revelation in verse 9 came. If you remember, Paul was under tremendous pressure. He had this stake right in his flesh, a painful, humiliating, physical malady that would turn people away from him, and which Satan used to harass him and cause all kinds of embarrassment and indignities. And in the midst of this, Paul prays on three separate occasions that the Lord would deliver him from this stake in the flesh that Satan was using to humiliate and depress him. And God said, no. He refused to heal him. And this is one of the good, clear examples that God does not always answer our prayer for healing, yet there are those within the church who are always saying God wants all of His children well. Well, this story proves that that is just not true. Sometimes God wants us sick for His purposes, and when you ask Him for healing, He says no. Paul had this stake in the flesh. Paul wanted healing. But God had a purpose for not removing that stake. God says, I have some lessons I want to teach you, Paul. And beloved, the lessons we learn when we are under pain and pressure are some of the most important and precious lessons we will ever learn in our lives. Pain and pressure are often the best stage that God uses to display His glory and His greatness. Now notice what God told Paul. Remember how we ended our last lesson? God always gives you what you ask for or something better. So that if you ask God for something specifically, and you don't get it, it means you're going to get something better, beloved. Something you need to mold you more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Well, that was the situation with Paul. Paul had asked for divine healing, and God said emphatically, no. I'm going to give you something better, Paul. And then the Lord Jesus Christ appears to Paul and actually speaks and says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. Now notice the nature of that revelation. Look again at verse 9. Actually the first six words. And he has said to me, The Greeks had a variety of past tenses, an imperfect tense, an aorist tense, and a perfect tense. Well, this is a perfect tense. And that means something started in the past and has permanence. It is unshakable. It continues, and that is the thrust of these six words. Paul is saying here, by using this tense... That the Lord said to him, that what the Lord said to him stands unshakably firm throughout all of his life. That nothing will change or diminish the truth of these words. My grace is sufficient for you. There will never come a situation in your life. There will never come a challenge. There will never come a burden, a pressure, or temptation, or any circumstance, whatever, that in the smallest way will alter or diminish the truthfulness of that unshakable work of Jesus. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, who is the one talking here? And he has said to me, Who is the he? The he is the one who has revealed things to Paul previously. God himself speaks to Paul in words and phrases and propositions. He says things to Paul that are meaningful to him and God said them in such a way that Paul fully understood. And this reveals to us, the nature of God's revelatory word. We as Bible-believing Christians must emphasize in our day when no one else believes it, that when we talk about revelation from God, we're not talking about some irrational thing, something that just hits someone like a bolt out of the sky and there's no real context to it. For when God reveals himself to man, He reveals himself in words and phrases from that man's language that he understands and that he can then pass on to others to understand. He reveals only the truth. Things that are meaningful to God himself. So when God says, my grace is sufficient for you, he is saying this is just as meaningful and important to me As it is to you. So, what we have here in the scriptures is exactly what Paul experienced in verse 9. For the Bible is a book of words given to us by the prophets and the apostles who wrote them down, but that originated in the mind of God Himself. Every word of the Bible is the word of God. Red letter editions of the Bible are actually misconceptions. Because Jesus Christ is the Word through whom God spoke, and it's contained in this book, beloved. This is not the words of the prophets and the apostles. The Bible contains no other words but those spoken directly by God. So here, Paul has something revealed to him straight from God's mouth about the reality of things. But there's one clarification we must make, that is, that the Lord Jesus Christ does not continue to reveal Himself to us today by verbal revelation. One of the fundamental teachings of the Scripture is that the verbal propositional revelation God has given to us is completed in the 66 books of the Bible. And today, He doesn't reveal Himself to us by coming to us as He did Paul and literally speaking to us new revelation. He reveals Himself now in an even more powerful way because the Bible tells us that God does two things. Number one is the Spirit of Jesus Christ who shines a bright light on this book and illuminates it. So we who are Christians can understand the words of God. And then the Holy Spirit opens our minds. And the memory of the Christian to that word. Or to put it in the words of Jesus from John 14, 26. He says, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. And he will bring to your remembrance whatever I have spoken to you. Whatever I have taught you. Whatever you have learned from this book, the Holy Spirit will bring it to your remembrance. The Holy Spirit does not dwell among us to give us direct verbal revelation today. So you actually hear words from His mouth. No, those words were completed in the 66 books of the Bible. We don't need any more words from God because the Bible itself says everything we need to know to be thoroughly equipped under every good work we have in the Bible. That's how rich and complete this book is, beloved. Now, the Holy Spirit reveals God to our hearts by bringing to our remembrance the things we have learned from His already revealed Word. He illuminates the word of God so we can understand. And then he opens our minds and our hearts so we can receive that word deep into our souls. And what was the revelation that God gave to Paul? Verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength or power is perfected in weakness. Remember, these words are as unshakable now as they were when Jesus gave them to Paul. The passage of 2,000 years has not taught, taken away the truthfulness and the power of these words. Whatever purpose they had in the life of Paul, and whatever the power they had in his life, they have the same purpose and impact in our lives today. There are two parts to this promise. Jesus says, number one, my grace is sufficient for you, and number two, power is made perfect in your weakness. So let's look at both of these sentences. All my grace is sufficient for you. The meaning of the word grace must be understood by Christians because it is perhaps the most important word in all of Scripture. There are fewer subjects more difficult to actually preach on, although the term is very easy to understand. Its implications and its depths are just beyond us. Everything we are and own, we owe to the grace of God. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Grace basically means three things in Scripture, and it is a far bigger word than we normally think. The word grace means unmerited favor. For God to look on some with favor who deserves his condemnation. If you are a sinner, and we all are, you deserve to be punished by God. And if you look upon, and if He looks upon you with a smiling face or favor, that is sure grace. It is not deserved. It is not merited. There is absolutely nothing you can do to earn it. You can't buy it. And God does not Owe it to you. God shows mercy upon whom he will have mercy. And he has compassion on whom he will have compassion. He owes you and I nothing. And if you think God owes you something besides eternal condemnation. Beloved, you have too high a view of yourself. If God looks upon you with favor at all. It is of sheer grace. So there is the first meaning of grace, totally unmerited favor. That's the source of all the good things that God pours out into our lives. Everything good that ever happens to you. And God says He does all things for the good of His children is a gift of God. Every time you experience blessings in your life, whether you realize it or not, you experience those blessings, not because you're a good guy and you've earned them, but God has sovereignly chosen to look upon you with merit and favor and grace. Praise be to God. The grace of Christ is sufficient for us because it is grace that saves, brothers and sisters. And then there was a second meaning of the word grace. The Old Testament word for grace is hesed. And it's actually more literally translated covenant loyalty or covenant faithfulness. Here Jesus could actually be saying, my covenant loyalty, my covenant faithfulness is all that you need. All you need in life is for God to be faithful to what he has promised you. You don't need anything else. You have life because God is being faithful to the promises that he has made to you in the Bible. That is sufficient for everything. You you might not have health. You might not have money. You, You might not even have many friends. You might be persecuted for righteousness sake. Even be rotting in a prison cell somewhere like some of the great men of God. Men like John Bunyan, and of course, Paul himself, and many, many others. But if God is being faithful to the promises He has made to His children, His grace is all you need to get through it all. Then there is a third meaning for grace. It means the help of the Holy Spirit, which comes from God's favor. In theology, whenever we talk about irresistible grace, we start talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, calling someone to Christ and changing their heart. Grace is the help of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Do some of you remember some of the gifts of the Spirit that we studied in the first chapters of Corinthians? Well, there are literally two words used for spirit gifts there. One is spiritual gifts. And the other is grace gifts. A gift of the Spirit is a grace gift because grace is the help the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. You and I are helpless, helpless without the Holy Spirit. If Jesus as a man needed the Holy Spirit in order to be a complete man. Don't you think we need him in order to be a complete man or woman? Now, Jesus was God, and being God, he needed nothing outside of himself. But Jesus was also a man. In fact, one of the reasons that we studied recently that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River was so the Holy Spirit could come upon Jesus' humanity in the form of a dove and equip him as a man with everything he needed to be our mediator and to be a complete man able to resist the temptation and the pressures of life put upon him for the 33 years he was here. So without the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we can do nothing. And grace is the help of the Holy Spirit of God in a person's life. And that's why Jesus Christ can say here, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, the question is, why does the Holy Spirit help us? He helps us for one basic reason. Remember, our context in these verses is pain and pressure. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to keep hoping and persevering in doing right, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter the pressures, no matter the pain, no matter the tribulation. And I don't know about you when I start feeling pain or discouragement or frustration, two of the things that start warring in my life are hope and perseverance in well-doing. Now, let this be a secret between us. Don't go telling anyone else. We'll cut this out of the radio. But even with all of my optimistic theology... I sometimes feel like my situation is hopeless. Then when I feel hopeless, I'm not that zealous about helping God. What's the use, it seems? Beloved, have you ever felt that way? Well, the Holy Spirit will get us back on track. And he'll help us maintain the hope and perseverance we need to overcome our poor condition if we are truly trusting in christ the holy spirit doesn't come into your life to make you feel warm and fuzzy there are many people in the church who think the holy spirit is going to keep us on some kind of higher spiritual plane in a static spiritual high but he doesn't come into your life to keep you all excited about life The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and helps us maintain our hope and our perseverance in well-doing. Without hope and perseverance, all of life just seems to fall apart. And if you lose hope, you lose faith. And if you lose faith, you lose perseverance. And if you lose perseverance, you run into apostasy. You lose everything without hope. And perseverance. And the grace of God that is sufficient for us and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, supporting hope and ser- perseverance in well doing. No matter how intense the pain or the pressure, no matter how severe the temptation to give up hope and to slack off in perseverance in well doing, you must fall on your knees and say, Almighty God, give me all sufficient grace. Holy Spirit of God, support my hope and your promise and my perseverance and well-doing, even if my life is in turmoil. And beloved, He will do it. The most severe trials and pressures will neither depress you or make you unfaithful or make you hopeless if you depend on the power of God's all-sufficient grace. So let's look at a couple of passages now where Paul shows his dependence on God's grace. Do you remember where Paul was when he wrote the book of Philippians? The book of Philippians has four little chapters. And yet, proportionately, this book has more references to joy and rejoicing than any other epistle in the New Testament. And yet, Paul, when he was writing the letter, was in prison. And not because he'd committed some horrific crime, but because he was preaching the gospel. There in this prison, dark, dank, wet, miserable conditions, he's able to say such things as, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. If that is where God
0: 866 You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number four zero two. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon and again Wednesday evenings at 715. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner.